0: I I did the same thing after the first service. um, And that is just one of those breaths of it is good to worship together. It is good to sing to God. We need to, I don't know, sometimes just stop and sing. Sing and sing. And if you got some tears coming out, let them roll. Do not hold them back. I went to go see that movie Overcomer. You've gone and seen it yet. If not, I'm going to strongly encourage you to go see it. Uh, I would be more than glad to rent out the movie theater and take the whole church to go see it. Um, and it was just powerful. And they had those moments where, you know, as <clears> a <throat> guy get dust in your eyes, you know, and man, <clears throat> I had a headache when I left because I held it all in. I had a few. Okay. Let it roll. Let it roll. Okay. Stop. Be strong. I got done, it's like, man, next time, just let it roll. Because you know what you end up doing? You just get this big sinus headache because you kept it all in. And I think sometimes we keep it all in and God's like, will you just give it to me? And when we come here on Sunday, do not be afraid to give it to God. Do not be afraid to to just like, you know what, I might have to stop singing because I just got to pray. I might have to cry. I might just have to just sit here in awe and wonder and say, thank you, God. Never hold it in. Never hold it in. Well, um, where are we at? Oh, yeah, we're in the book of what? John, John yes, there we go, John. Turn in your Bibles. Uh, grab your Bibles, you're going to need them, because today your fingers are going to be rolling. If you uh, follow along on you know, maybe a Bible app on your phone or iPad, be ready to start doing a lot of pushing and poking and whatever. Um we've got quite a few scriptures I want to take you to today. But we'll start in the beloved book of John. And um, in the, in the, I'm going to tell you this right now not next week, but the following week, so two weeks from today, we're going to um, stroll away from John for about four or five weeks. Uh, God's been laying something on my heart, and I've got myself and a few other guest uh, speakers, people who are, are going to come up here, and we're going to um, sort of talk about what it means to follow Christ in today's world, uh, dealing with a lot of, uh, I'm going to say, relevant topics that we're getting challenged on, and it's like, we need to talk about this as a church. I look forward to taking God's word and sharing with you what God's been laying on our heart. So um, this week, next week, we're in John, short trip away, then back into John. Uh, but I pray that God's word as, as we open it and we sit there and say, boy, we're sort of taking our time. Yes, because there's so much there. So today in the book of John, John chapter 8, verse 12 is where we're going to pick up. Verse 12 is going to be the key verse, but we're going to read through to verse 20. So let's read together. Jesus spoke to the people once more, and he said, "I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness, but you'll have the light that leads to life." Now the Pharisees replied, "You're making these claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid." Now remember, the religious leaders say, "If you're going to speak truth, you have to have one, two, or three other people that are witnesses to this to make your valid true." Right. Verse 14, Jesus told them these claims are valid, even though I make them myself, for I know where I came from, where I'm going, but you don't know this about me. You judge me by human standards, and I do not judge anyone. If I did, my judgment would be correct in every respect, because I am not alone. The Father who sent me is with me. Your own law says that if two people agree about something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness. My father sent me the other. Where's your father? They asked. Jesus answered. Since you don't know who I am, and you don't know who my father is, if you knew me, you would also know my father. Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in a section of the temple known as the treasury. But he was not arrested because his time had not yet come. Now, in this scripture, remember, Jesus is in the temple grounds. Remember, the Feast of the Tabernacles or the Shelters had just taken place, coming to a conclusion. He's still there in the temple grounds, Um, what we would probably uh, be known as the Court of the Women. This court had 13 receptacles around the court. It was also known as the Treasury. Which means this is where people brought their offerings. We got one blessings box in the back. If I have to, we could build another 12 and put them all around you, okay? Uh, But they had 13 there, and people would come in. There's another story in the New Testament. Jesus talks about the widow who put her money in one of these. This is where Jesus is teaching, okay? And um, Jesus has been in Jerusalem for this festival for quite a while now. Um, Eight-day celebration coming to a conclusion. But we need to remember why they are celebrating. Okay, Again, it's a time of celebrating God's deliverance of his people from the land of Egypt. Go back to Moses. Everybody remember Moses and the people in Egypt and how he, he freed them out of Egypt. Well, God delivered them out of Egypt. And out into the wilderness they go. And as they're going through the wilderness, they were without food, they were without water, they were without shelter. They were, they were very needy. Okay, 600,000 men plus the women and children, so it could be estimated at around 2 million uh, possible people that were wandering through the wilderness for all those years, Moses leading them. And so in John chapter 6, if you remember this, okay, the Feast of the Tabernacles begins. People are coming in to remember that time, to remember God's deliverance. So as they're remembering, in John chapter 6, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Right away, people are thinking, oh, when the children of Israel were there wandering through Egypt, they had nothing to eat. And God delivered them what? Manna. An incredible food that kept them and sustained them and, uh, to stay alive. And, you know, we've always said, what does manna taste like? It's got to be better than Krispy Kreme. It's got to be better than Rising Roll Donuts, right? And we said, it's, like, it's got to be. It, it was heavenly, no doubt about it. It came right from God. So Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. And right away, everybody's going, oh. Remember the manna? God gave us bread. God gave us food. He sustained us. And Jesus goes, I am that bread of life. John chapter 7, again, same festival is going on. Jesus calls himself what? The living water. Again, the children of Israel, they're wandering through Egypt, and they're without water, desert terrain, that kind of thing going on. Where do we get our water source? Well, on one occasion, God Through the work of Moses, he took a staff and he whacked a rock. But God brought water out of a rock to water the people, to give them life, right? Jesus in John 7 goes, I'm the living water. Oh yeah, remember back when the children of Israel, God gave them water? So again, they're always being taken back to the celebration of this festival, right? Now in John 8, Jesus now calls himself the light of the world. Referring to the pillar of fire and the cloud that the people followed when they left Egypt. Now to remember this story, grab your Bibles, go back to the book of Exodus. Second book in the Bible. We've got Genesis and then Exodus. So in your Bibles, turn to the book of Exodus. We've got Bibles in the back if you need them, by the way. Raise your hand. Somebody will bring one to you if you need. Exodus chapter 13. So you imagine the children of Israel, they're following Moses, they leave Egypt, they're all excited, we're free, we're free, You know, no more slavery, no more bondage, we're free, and it's like they're out in the wilderness, right? So which way do we go? Where's our GPS? Where's our tracker? Where's our map? Right? God provided this. It's pretty incredible. Verse 21 of chapter 13, it says, the Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or fire, pillar of fire, from its place in front of the people. See, the cloud, that pillar was the presence of God. God's like, I'm with you. Yeah, you can see Moses. Now, I'm not going to let you see me, but I'll let you see me sort of in this cloud, in this pillar. And God's like, here I go. I'm moving. The clouds moving. We're moving. Well, do we go left or right? Which way is the pillar of fire or the cloud going? Whichever direction it went, that's God moving. God with us. Let's move with Him. What a great track! Don't you wish you had maps like that? I'm telling you, I don't care if Google, how much you like Google Maps or GPS, they are still wrong directions. Point case, my story about three weeks ago, right up the up the mountain. Okay, turn in your Bibles now. To the book of Numbers. Now there's two, fast forward another book. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, number, book number four in the Old Testament. Numbers chapter nine. Numbers chapter nine, we learn more about this pillar of fire, this cloud. Starting in verse 17, it says, whenever the cloud lifted from over the sacred tent, the people of Israel would break camp and follow it. And wherever the cloud settled, the people of Israel would set up camp in this way. They traveled and camped at the Lord's command, wherever he told them to go. Then they remained in their camp as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle. If the cloud remained over the tabernacle for a long time, the Israelites stayed and performed their duty to the Lord. Sometimes the cloud would stay over the tabernacle for only a few days. So the people would stay for only a few days as the Lord commanded. Then at the Lord's command, they would break camp and move on. Sometimes the cloud stayed only overnight and lifted the next morning. But day or night, when the cloud lifted, the people broke camp and they moved on. Verse 22. Whether the cloud stayed above the tabernacle for two days, a month, or a year, the people of Israel stayed in camp and did not move on. But as soon as it lifted, they broke camp and moved on. So they camped or traveled at the Lord's command. They did whatever the Lord told them through Moses. That cloud guided them. Cloud's moving, packed up the tent. Cloud stopped, unpack. How long are we going to be here? I have no idea. Whatever God decides. We are such controlling people today. How would we handle that? I'm just sort of curious. I was thinking about that. I want to know where I'm going, when I'm going, and, and so forth, right? How would we deal with a moment like this? Probably, some of us would probably struggle. Others are like, I don't care, I'm here. Gonna, God moves, we move, right? At night, this cloud illuminated the skies, like a pillar of fire. And now, think about this. Jesus now makes this proclamation to be the light of the world. God's presence lit up the skies to these people. They were remembering that. That's when God delivered us. He was also a light. He was, he was our bread, our sustainer. He was our living water. He was also light. And if you remember this the special ceremony where the priest when they took those pitchers of water and they marched around. And then after marching around, they poured the water on the altar. And Jesus goes, oh, I'm, I'm the living water. If anybody's thirsty, come follow me. There's another ceremony, too, in which the priests would take these, their torches and they would go to these huge lamps and these candeloplas and they would light them and it would light up the temple and would light up the Jerusalem skies. Now, we don't have a, a good picture. This is an artist's rendition of what it may have looked like when that temple is, is lit up. And you can imagine not only was the temple shining bright, but all the Jerusalem skies were lit as well. And then if you can imagine, maybe maybe in this moment, that's when Jesus stands up and says, I am the light of the world. Can you imagine as it's being, and all of a sudden it's connecting people, thinking the pillar, right, in the cloud. And, and then they're seeing these lights and Jesus says, hey, if you follow me, you won't walk in darkness anymore because I am the light of the world. Jesus is claiming here, listen very carefully, he is claiming to be God. God was the pillar, was the cloud that moved, right? And now Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Not just one location, the world. And they're remembering this pillar of fire and the light sources, and he's standing up in the light, claiming to be the light. And this is a powerful moment. Do not miss it. And in this moment, we should be thinking, oh, when else have we heard about light and darkness in the Scripture? Oh, let's, let's, let's do a quick study here, okay? Let's go to um, Genesis 1.1. So here's the deal. From the very first verse in the Bible to the last book of the Bible, Revelation, light is mentioned. And let's be clear on this understanding of who is light and what is light? In the Bible, Genesis 1.1, 1, 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless. The earth was empty. The earth was dark, covered with deep waters. And the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. In verse 3, Genesis chapter 1, God said, Let there be what? Light. light. Yes. And there was light. And God saw the light. And he said it was good. And he separated light and darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. But we're not done. I mean, this is where it all started. God creates light because it's darkness, it's bad, eerie, gloomy. Let me bring my light, my life, my presence into this world. Now, we're gonna skip a bunch of verses and go to Revelation chapter twenty-one, one chapter away from the very back of the Bible. And describing heaven, and John is given a glimpse. He says in verse 22, I saw no temple in the city for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need for sun or moon for the glory of God illuminates the city. Listen, and the Lamb is its light. The Lamb, Jesus Christ, is the light. He goes on to say the nations will walk in its light and the kings of the world will enter the city all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day because there's no night there, and all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful, idolatry, dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If your name is written in the Lamb's Book of life, you've confessed with your mouth, you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, your name's written in that Lamb's book of life, you'll be in the presence of God and in a lit-up place. It will be bright. No sun, no moon, just the glory of God and the Lamb who is its light. An amazing thing, right? But it shouldn't surprise us. But We have to be reminded from, from the beginning to the end, what is the light? Now in your Bibles, turn to the book of John. John chapter 1. Something I probably preached on who knows how many months ago. But I want to read this to you. Now that we get to this point in John 8, let's go back and remember how this all started with John. John chapter 1, verse 1. John chapter 1, verse 1 says this. In the beginning, the Word, Jesus, already existed. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. Verse 3. God created everything through Him. Nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the one, the light. And the one who is a true light who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Verse 10, he came into the world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. Like we're learning right now in John 6 and 7 and 8, religious leaders, they don't recognize Jesus as the light. They're arguing with him. He came to his own people, and they even rejected him. Verse 12, but to all who believe him and accept him, he gave the right to become children of God. I'm sorry, not everybody's a child of God. It's like, oh, we're all children of God. No, we're not. What does John 1, 12 tell us? Here's our, here's our spiritual birth certificate right here. But to all who believe him and accept him, he gives the right to become children of God. Now, a chapter later, we're going to hear Jesus say this again. In John 9, 5, he says, But while I'm here in the world, I'm the light of the world. So John 1, John starts off saying, Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus stands up, I am the light of the world. In John 9, he goes, I'm the light of the world. He says it again. And then John chapter 12 Verses 35-37, Jesus says, My light will shine for you just a little bit longer. Walk in the light while you can, so the darkness will not overtake you. Did you understand that? Understand this? When you have the lights on, there's no darkness. Do you ever realize that? Do you ever go in your room and flip on the light and half the, light, half the room lights up, and the other one's still complete darkness? Like, man, I wish the light would sort of spread over and cover the whole room. No, you turn on the light, it illuminates the whole room. Whether it's a dim light or a bright light, all the room is lit up. And Jesus says, walk in the light while you can so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in darkness can't see where they're going. He says, put your trust in the light, in Jesus, while there's still time. Then you'll become children of light. Some of us think we got all the time in the world. We don't. We don't know when this life of ours will end. We we have no idea. But some of us are too proud to admit, it's like, I'll put it off, I'll put it off. You might put off too long, you might be too late. And Jesus, says, while there is still time, follow, follow, trust. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse four, reminds us of this: "As much as I want light, sometimes I can't see the light. We have this game that sometimes we'll play with the teams I work with. We, we blindfold. Um, some of the team members, and we spread stuff across the floor. They can't see where they're going. They're probably going to step on something. Okay? But they have somebody behind them that's going to talk to them and tell them where to go. Go to your right, go to your right. Okay, they'll step with your left foot. Pick it up it to the left. You know, they're going to guide you because they can't see. They're blindfolded. All they see is darkness. They have no light to illuminate their path to give them direction, right? There's some students in here that have played that game and they know they're trying to listen to the person behind them, give them direction. But here's the thing. There's about a dozen other people that are doing the game at the same time, giving directions. Plus, probably another 30, 40 people along the sidelines screaming and yelling directions. All kinds of voices. Which way to go in life? What choices to make? Where do I go? What do I do? Right? That's life. And sometimes we just can't see. We've been blinded to truth, blinded to the direction. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says this. Our opponent, who is Satan, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ. Who is the exact likeness of God? Don't miss that last part. The exact likeness of God. Jesus is God, okay? And Satan loves to blind us so we do not see the light, so we do not know the way we need to go, so we do not know the truth. Be aware of your opponent out there. But I will have what Paul says. Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 to 13. He says, God's rescued you from this darkness. He's he's taken the blindfold off if you allow him, if you trust him. He says, may you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share an inheritance that belongs to the people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Church, listen, light is life-changing. We know this because if you, again, you walk in a dark room and you have no idea where you're going, you're probably going to stub your toe, run into something. Somebody's going to get hurt, right? So you turn on that light to see where you are going. It's life-changing, a lot of us are living in dark times right now, personally, because there's a certain sin in our life that's wrapped us up, and all we can do is daily battle with that sin, and we struggle with it, and it seems like such dark times. Some of us are caught in depression, and it seems like dark times. And light is life-changing. I'm the person who walks in a room and pulls the shades open. I actually went over to the back window and I went to. Pull the shade and oh, we close it a little bit for the baby. We're all good. So, but if I walk into a room, like I'll come in here tomorrow morning, maybe, and I'll walk in and I'll pull all the shades open. I love light. Because you know what happens in darkness? Sin, usually, right? Think about the stuff we try to get away with at night when nobody's looking. We we don't want anybody to see what we're doing. Darkness veils that, covers that. Light exposes it, right? Light is life-changing. It would be horrible to live in darkness. You think about those right now that are suffering in the Bahamas and the Carolinas that have lost power due to the storms. It's one thing through the day to not have power. Maybe I can't listen to the radio. Maybe I can't watch TV. But at night when it gets dark, maybe 6, 7, 8 o'clock at night over on the East Coast, and it gets dark and it's like, I'm used to having lights on. I'm used to the city life, the, the night life, right? But no, it's dark. It's depressing. It's scary and it's gloomy. So when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, if you, look at the next two phrases, words, follow me. If you follow me. You won't have to walk in darkness because you'll have the light that leads life. What does that mean? Because here we are, church. Some of you right now might be in darkness. Now, I want you to hear this. Jesus is light. Light is life-changing. It's life-giving. And if you're walking in darkness right now, here's the first thing we need to do. Understand that Jesus gives light. And following him basically means this. To follow him is to believe in him. In John chapter 12, 45 to 46, Jesus said this. For when you see me, you're not seeing the one who sent me. I'm sorry, you're seeing the one who sent me. Again, Jesus always referring to himself as, I understand, I'm God, okay? I've come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain where? In the dark. Jesus says, I'm the light. Follow me. In other words, trust me. Place your faith in in me. That's how we, that's how, first of all, you turn on the light in your life, okay? That's how you're ready to get the darkness in your life, is by, one, trusting him, believing in him. But then Jesus goes on to say this, Jesus is saying that his light guides us. It guides us. Think about this again. We need directions, right? And although we, uh, we refuse at times to look at directions, we need them, don't we? For those of you driving down the road, oh, I know my way there, Maybe you're on vacation going somewhere you've never been before. A lot of you are are pretty intelligent to know you're going to pull out um, either maps on your phone or you're at Siri to get directions, or maybe you've mapped it out. Maybe some of you still old-school Rand McNally, those big fold-out maps. Remember some of those? I think the person who invented the app for the phone is the guy that could not figure out how to fold that back up and said, I'm done, I'm going to put something on my phone, right? So I think that's how that all came about. not sure. We have to Google that one, right? But here's the thing. Those of us who are like, I can find my way without the maps. We all know eventually you're about two hours behind because you didn't ask for directions, right? Or maybe you're the person that goes to make something, assemble something, you get on Christmas Day, you buy something like, oh, I gotta put this together and you put it together like, I don't need no stinking directions, right? And you're just like, put it away. Okay, testimony here. Okay, confession here. Tried that uh, last year with a bike rack. And I got done and I had this like long bar and a, and a bolt and a nut. And I'm thinking, this belongs somewhere, I'm sure. You know, sometimes they give you an extra washer or an extra bowl, you know, but never a whole bar that's about 12 inches long. So I had to pull out the directions, which I felt I did not need because I'm very prideful, right? And discover, oh, that's the stabilizer bar. That's what holds the whole rack together. You put your bikes on and your bikes and go, right? So that one little piece mattered, it, right? But I refused directions. Jesus is saying, my light guides you. It gives you direction in life. You don't know where to go in life? Let me guide you. Uh, Wait, go back to Genesis and Exodus. Go back to the Old Testament. Oh, wait, where are we at? Feast of Tabernacles? Remember when when Moses had, had that pillar? He had that cloud. What did the cloud do? It moved and gave directions to the people where to go. It was light. It gave guidance and gave direction. Jesus says, I'm the light. I want to guide you. Jesus is also saying He gives us hope. Today, uh, I'm not talking like today, today, but in this generational time right now, some of you might think this is pretty dark and gloomy days. You look around and it's like I can't believe the way the world's going right now. You turn on the news, alert, 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 and it's just like man, there's so much bad news. Jesus, come on back anytime you want, right? And for those of us maybe that that don't understand Christianity or we're like, something's got to happen. There's got to be an answer to all this darkness and gloominess, right? Is it end time or is there something else going on? I know different pastors have have looked at this and said, well, look back in history. There's been really dark times throughout history. And it seems that the darkest of moments is when God sparked revival. Could God possibly be ready to spark a revival Today, here in the United States, he's doing it over across the seas right now. I'll tell you that. Why not here? I I had a conversation with somebody after the first service, and you know, we're talking about how do I want to live as a Christian? Do I want to live like it must be the end day, so I'm just going to coast out? Or maybe God's bringing a revival and I want to fire up. And I thought, yeah, you know what? How many times have I said, well, God, you can come back any You know what? He can come back any But in the meantime, while I'm waiting, should I not go ahead and live in a way that reflects the light of this world and fires up? We have this, a lot of sayings and right now going on about, you know, unless we change this law, unless we do this, the world's going to end. We you know we got to get rid of plastic or we, we got to get rid of guns or, you know, and it gets very political, doesn't it? And we're stepping back and saying, well, if I would just actually take my straw and throw it in the trash, then I don't have to worry about it getting stuck up some turtle's nose, right? So really, that's on me, not the straw. You know you know what I'm saying? Okay, not, I don't want to get political on this, but I'm sitting there thinking, well, who's the problem? We are. We're the sinners. We're the ones messed up, and, and the policies and all this kind of stuff probably won't change anything. It might give us direction. But you know what we need? We need a Savior to save us. We don't have to worry about trying to save the world. God's already got a plan for that, okay? Just saying. So the question is, do you know that Jesus is the light? And will you follow the light? Do you believe that? Do you believe Jesus is the light? Do you believe he can give you guidance? Do you believe that he can give you hope? Have you placed your faith in him? John writes this in another book, first John one, five to seven. He says, This is the message we heard from Jesus. And we now declare to you God is light, there's no darkness in him at all. So if you're we are lying, if we say we have fellowship with God, but we go on living in spiritual darkness, we're not practicing truth. But if we're living in the light as God's in light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we're fooling ourselves. And not living in truth. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John's saying, God's light. And we should be living in light. And if you are not living in the light, then quit saying you're in the light. You're a liar. You're a hypocrite. And how about this? How about we just confess to God that we're living in darkness at sometimes? Confess our sins to Him. Allow God to remove the darkness and fill us with His light. Because God's got a plan for us. The Book of Matthew, chapter five, verses fourteen to sixteen. Look it on the screen. It says this: Jesus was talking to uh, teaching with his disciples and people surrounding him. He goes, "Goes, you are the light of the world. A city on the hill that cannot be hidden." No one lights a lamp and puts it on their basket. Instead, you light a lamp, you place it on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. God, Jesus is basically saying this. Okay, here's it. I'm the light of the world, but I want you to reflect the light. As my believers, as my followers, go reflect this light now. You trust me? You place your faith in me? You've confessed to me? Now go live in a way that reflects me. And you're like, okay, how do I reflect the light of this world? I'm going to give you a couple practical ways, okay? So here's the first one. Tonight is worship night, 6 o'clock, back here. Um, Here's the thing. How we worship can be shown by, we can show how we reflect light or dark by the way we worship. I don't know if you realize that. Because either when we worship, either we're showing that we have a hope, or we show we're hopeless. If i got the light in me, I've got a lot of hope. So the way I worship should reflect that I've got hope within me, that I've got joy within me, that I've got peace within me. And I know some of you are like, um, we're going to come here for an hour and sing. And you're like, someone's like, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I could sing for an hour. Okay, so let me, let me walk you through this, okay? because that's, just, that's called an excuse. Okay? And I have a lot of them. Maybe you weren't raised that way. And that's okay. I don't know what happened in the church between age 3 and 23 or 33. Something happened where it was, I will never march in the infantry, ride in the country. Do you remember that song? Some of you are like, I have no idea, but keep going. This is funny, right? Yeah. <laughs> How about Father Abraham? Had many sons. Right arm, left arm, Father Abraham. Remember that song? Okay. Little Zacchaeus, you know, they remember that song too? Oh, we had all kinds of motions. You get into high school, ask the kids that went to camp. They were like, I'm not even gonna try to dance because it'll be very embarrassing. But they were, they were up and dancing and shouting and everything, like singing. And then we get to church and we're like, what happened? I mean, in the church I grew up, this is what happened. Boom. Oh no, I'm sorry. In the church I grew up, we had hymns. We did this. We just held the hymns and put our noses down in them. And here's the thing. We couldn't even sing the whole song. We're going to sing verses 1, 2, and 5. We're going to sing verses 3 and 4. Why are there five verses if we're not going to sing it? Did that ever bother anybody? It's like, the verse number 4 is really bad. We're just not going to sing it today. I never understood that, right? So I'm thinking somewhere along the line, I got indoctrinated with, this is how you're supposed to sing. Get crazy, get wild, love Jesus, and show, reflect that light. But as you get older, cool down, man. Don't let anybody know how much you love Jesus. And don't sing all the words either, okay? Just some of them, just some of them. Every now and then, just zone out if you want, right? So I I get it, you know, I get it. But here's the thing, how many of us will go to a concert that lasts two or more hours. And we sing right along and we dance right along, right? And we get fired up to go to these concerts, which are great, okay? But, but listen, I want you to think about this. Okay, and, and not to pick on anybody if you went to go see Foreigner, okay? But here's the thing. I listened to Foreigner back in the day, okay? And I, when I saw they were coming to phone County, I opened up the paper, like, oh, Foreigner. And you know what happened? The songs in my mind went off right away. I'm not gonna sing them, okay? But, um, but I'm going, yeah, and I go, ooh, that's about, oh, and, oh, that's about, mm. okay. So I'm thinking I go to these concerts and I'm hearing these guys sing about sex and everything else. And it's like, I paid money to go sing with them for two plus hours. But if I'm going to come in here and I can't sing three songs about God who loves me and rescued me, that hit me. I was thinking about that. I was, I was, here's why I was thinking about it, because I was preparing for this message, um, this week I was driving. I had a couple of trips. I was driving all around, and I was getting tired. And I was like, you get you get a certain zone at a certain point of the day. Where it's like I've listened to enough podcasts. And I've listened to music. I gotta get something to get me going. So boom, eighty station. Oh, Kool Gang popped on. Oh yes, it's ladies night. Yeah, you know that song. You remember know that song? Yeah. Or um, uh, celebrate good times. So here's the deal. My first concert I ever went to was Kool Gang. So I was, I was going back to the day it was like cool Gang. I know that's sort of weird, right? I'm a farm boy. I grew up in Indiana. I wanted to break dance. I had a poster on the back of my wall that had the steps to break dance, spin on your back and everything. I don't think my mom and dad ever knew about that poster. She watched the podcast, so now she knows. So I'm in trouble. Anyway, um, so that was like my first concert and you know, I even remember one time I was walking to the bean field pulling weeds like, I bet I can break, bust a move and do a backflip. I tried it. I landed it flat on my back. I've discovered I am not a break dancer, especially a farmer on a, in a bean field, right? But I went to my next concert. And it was a Christian concert. It was called the Imperials. Something like, butter? Is that butter? What, Imperials. There's <laughs> um, there's a, there a bunch of older Christian groups. But and then I started going to a lot of other concerts. Other concerts, like I I loved going to concerts. When I was a youth pastor. I took kids to the concerts. Left, right, left, right. You know, and we're going to all these concerts. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, I can go for hours listening to Christian music. But then when it comes to worshiping God, all of a sudden I'm like, man, I don't know if I could sing for an hour. Well, so, so let me help you out with this one, okay? So if you struggle with it like I did, just do me a favor. When you come to worship night, just bring your Bible with you, okay? You don't have to stand the whole time. You are permitted to sit down and just crack open Psalms and just start reading through the Psalms as the worship's going on. If you want to pray, just pray. And then join in singing again. So sometimes we sort of get this thing of like, i got to act a certain way when I come. Just come and worship, come and sing. And again, maybe you don't feel like worshiping because you're going through a lot of pain right now. What do you think David did when he was being chased by the murderous Saul, and he was hiding in caves, and he wrote some of the psalms, some of the best songs we sing. Or Paul and Silas, who were thrown in prison for their faith, and they' were chained up. What did they do? They started to sing and worship. Sometimes the pain that goes on in life, I get it, but here's saying don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what is right with God. Let me say that again. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what is right with God. If we wait to worship God until we feel like worshiping Him, we won't worship Him. The enemy of our soul wants to keep us bottled up inside and alienate ourselves from others and from God. So Satan will do whatever he can to keep you from coming to be with the body of Christ and worshiping him. He'll bring up all kinds of things. And we do need to learn to turn our pain into praise. And I'm telling you, I've been there. There's moments I'm mad, I'm doubting. It's like, I know I don't want to sing right now. I don't want to listen to music right now. But you know, I need to. I need to. And when's the last time you sang like you believed it? Oh, a lot of you were jumping up and down two weeks ago, and Washington kicked that field goal to win the game in the last seconds of the game. Right? Yeah. When's the last time you got excited about letting people see your love for God? You know, it's worship is not for personal gain. When we reflect the light, it's not about me getting attention. I'm reflecting the light. I'm I'm worshiping the one who is the true light. And then a lot of times it's like, um, well I don't I don't know if um, I don't know if, if this worship thing is really um, for me or for whatever else, whatever reason. And I was thinking too about this. If if I told you um, next week, Tim Tebow, Drew Brees, um, and then Chris Tomlin and Lauren Daigle and Hillsong were all and Toby Mack were all gonna be here and they're gonna share their stories and sing some songs. Here's what would happen. We'd, we'd have to go to another, there's no venue actually in Fulton County that would hold everybody that would want to come, right? Everybody wants to come hear those celebrities and those great singers and those great athletes share their stories and songs, right? Oh, they're going to share their story and they're going to sing the song. And then I'm like, oh, and next week, Pastor Dave's going to lead the worship team and, and myself or Brian's going to preach. And you know what we would get? Probably the same we have right now. Why is that? Because we tend to start worshiping people instead of God. It's not about myself, Pastor Dave, uh, Tim Tebow, or Lauren Dago, whoever, pick you want. It's not about any of us. It's about worshiping the true light. So gonna, I want to encourage you um, just to think about what it means to, to worship because um, when we worship, we are reflecting the light. When we go to work tomorrow, or maybe some have to go to work later today, you get to reflect the light of Jesus at work. How you practice. Athletes, you go to practice you think, I can just be casual today? How you practice reflects your faith. How you act at home with your spouse reflects your faith. Reflects that light. So I want to encourage you, one, place your faith Trust. Follow the light, Jesus Christ, and then let's reflect Him. No more waiting around for the end times. Let's pray for the God starts reviving our hearts and starts reflecting Him in a mighty way. I ask the worship team to come forward. Because here's as they're coming forward, here's here's my fear. Um, I fear that we sometimes people look at Christians and they don't see a spotlight, they don't see a lamp. They see a strobe light. You know what a strobe light is? Off on, off on, off on, off on. You know what I'm saying? That, that strobe light, and it's, it almost you know, puts some people in seizures and gives them headaches and that kind of thing. Sometimes I think as Christians, we give other people headaches because they look at us and like, Hey, we're shining light for Jesus. Hey, I'm living in darkness. Hey, light for Jesus, darkness. You know what I'm saying? It goes back and forth. And people look at us and all they see is a strobe because we're living this crazy life. We forget that Jesus is the light and we go chasing after other gods. Oh, well, I want my kids to be happy, so I want them in 20 activities. And, well, I want to be happy, so I'm, I want this car, and I want this house, and I want these clothes, and I want this mechanism. And, oh, and my kids want all these things, and I want to make. Oh, you started to cry. What do you need? I'll buy it for you. Boom. And then we do this and this, and, and then I need you to be over here and over there. And next thing is, wow, how do I afford all this? Oh, I know. I'll get a second job, maybe a third job. Honey, you need to get five jobs. Okay, and then we all working, and and we're working. Guess what? I never see my spouse because we're working all the time. Now, our relationship, when we stood there before the pastor, I do, I do, is now crumbling because I'm chasing after all these things in the world to make sure everybody's happy over here, and then my world falls apart because I've been chasing everything but Jesus. Jesus is the light. I don't need to be a strobe light anymore. I need to live this way and that way. How about I just live this way for him? So I want to encourage a church, that chasing after all these things can get very confusing. Jesus says, how about you do this? I'm the light. Follow me. Follow me. And you'll become a child of my light. And then you can go reflect my light. But you can't reflect my light when you're bumping all over the place. Would you stand, please? Please. Heavenly Father, what an awesome God you are. I thank you, Lord, for your your word and how you stood before everybody and said, hey, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't live in darkness anymore. That's all we need to hear. The rest of your word covers us and and reminds us of what is true and about light. but what more do we need to hear? You are the light of the world. Your presence is with us. You promised that. You promise to guide us. And in those moments when we're struggling in darkness, you said you'll forgive us if we confess our sins. You are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from our unrighteousness, our darkness. So, God, thank you for sending the light of this world, yourself in the flesh. And reminding us that I'm tired of feeling hopeless darkness, stubbing my toes. There's a hope. There's a hope for our marriages. There's a hope for our kids. There's a a hope for our own lives and what we're facing today. And that hope is in you, in Jesus Christ, the light of the world. So God, let us place our faith in you and your son, Jesus Christ. And God, give us the strength to live for you, to be that light on the hill that people can see. Help us reflect your light in a way that is honoring to you. We pray these things, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.